The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. It is a football Friday on The Drive. So it's time for a Carolina Panthers prediction. I like Carolina to beat the New Orleans Saints despite the fact they're an underdog Sunday. And a lot of that has to do with timing. Timing's so important in life. We know that. Do you ever take some time to think about it, though? I think about it in the context of Sarah Bradford, who I talk about quite a bit on this show. A couple years ago, went to a Panther game. Cam Newton was running late on a post game. And I was set to have a first date with somebody that turns out to be my fiance now and going to be my bride next year. But since Cam was running late, I almost thought about blowing it off. And if it wasn't for a guy who was then at Sports Illustrated and now with CBS Sports' Jonathan Jones, telling me in so many terms, get out of here, don't blow off a date for Cam Newton's postgame. Who knows? I might have stuck around. I maybe did not, I might not have met my now fiancé. And then I learned after the fact that, you know, as you do when you're single, you're talking to a handful of different people. And maybe the person that she's into is not the radio host here in the triad on WSJS Sports. Timing was so important in that circumstance. Timing's important here on Sunday, too. It's why I like Carolina. They're catching the Saints at the absolute perfect time. It's an early season game. September 19th is going to be the earliest date Carolina has faced the Saints in nine years. Seven of the last eight meetings have been played after Thanksgiving. And that matters against the Saints team that has had so much change during this offseason. More change than they've experienced in the last 15 years. They're transitioning from the greatest player in their franchise's history without question to somebody a couple years ago who threw 30 interceptions. It looked like that transition is going well Sunday against Green Bay, but I'm not confident that's who they are yet. They're still trying to figure out who they are. The Saints, there's no doubt they've been dealing with a lot. They, I'm not even just talking about football. They're practicing in Fort Worth because of Hurricane Ida that hit last month. They have some problems with COVID. One player tested positive, Michael Thomas, who wasn't going to play anyway, but six staffers were included in that, and a nutritionist. They have a litany of injuries. Marcus Davenport, we don't know if he's going to go. Same thing for Robert. You saw this injury report. How big of a deal would it be if Marshawn Lattimore is not able to go? Or if you're looking at P.J. Williams? Or you name it. Any of these guys, Marcus Davenport, namely on the defensive side of the ball, if they're not able to play, they're starting center. That's a huge deal. Juxtaposed with a Carolina injury report that is as clean as it can get. Limited practice for Taylor Moten, and that's it. And, of course, he's going to play in the game. Carolina's at home. They're an underdog. I really like them in this spot. John Miller, he's going to start, according to Matt Rule, at right guard on Sunday. And the last thing I default to is this. In the National Football League, it's hard to play great on consecutive weeks. 
in this league, you get picked apart. What you do well, defensive coordinators are so good now at watching that out on tape, sniffing that out on tape and watching. Same thing with some of the top defensive players, that they know exactly what you're doing the next time you take the field. So there was very little Jameis Winston Saints tape going into last week, and the tape that we did see was with a different offense that was designed for Drew Brees last year. Carolina had a chance to get a look at that. And the larger sample tells us last week is not who Jameis Winston is. Jameis had a supporting cast his last year in Tampa Bay that last year won the Super Bowl, and he threw 30 picks with it and was two games under 500. I'm going to take the Panthers in this game. I feel good about it, too. I get that they're underdogs. I like them outright. Panthers 24, New Orleans Saints 17. On Twitter at WSJS Sports, if you'd like to chime in that way, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Robert Walsh is the producer of this show today. We've got intern Cole in the house, too. However, and wherever you're listening, appreciate that. Let's get into last night's game you might have heard on WSJS Sports. Washington won the game. But to me, Daniel Jones was the story. I was talking with Adam Gold a short while ago, and he was right to point out that DJ was the best player on the field. He was unbelievable for Washington, or excuse me, for the Giants. I think I've seen enough with Daniel Jones, Robert, to say Dave Gettleman got it right picking Daniel Jones in the top 10. I feel comfortable saying that. And if you Think I'm crazy and think that it's too soon to say that? I encourage you to pull up the 2019 draft. Not if you're driving. If you're somebody like Robert or Cole sitting right in front of me who has a laptop conveniently and they're not driving a car in front of them here. The 2019 draft is not a very good draft. And I remember the day after how many people were ready to crush Gettleman because he was an easy punching bag. And Daniel Jones, who they didn't watch at Duke, taking him over Dwayne Haskins. Regardless of how you feel about Daniel Jones moving forward, he is better than Dwayne Haskins, no question about it. So that should be enough to justify him going sixth. But there still are a lot of people saying, well, you took him too high, you had that second pick at 17, which, unfortunately, was taken by North Carolina native former Clemson Tiger Dexter Lawrence, who jumped off sides on that last field goal attempt and allowed the kicker to get a second opportunity there. But when you look at the draft, Robert, who who do people in retrospect want the Giants to take at number six? The linebacker Josh Allen was taken right after that by Jacksonville. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Detroit after that. Ed Oliver went to Buffalo. Devin Bush is pretty good at Pittsburgh, even though I don't think he was that great last year. Jonah Williams hasn't quite done it yet with Cincinnati. There's some questions on that O-line. We all know that. Rashawn Gary loved him at Michigan. Do you absolutely love Rashawn Gary at Green in Green Bay, Cole? I don't know. But taking the quarterback in that spot, I think we've seen enough from Daniel Jones like last night, 69% completion, 250 yards passing, a touchdown, no picks, 95 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, to say maybe don't crush Gettleman just because it's Dave Gettleman. He got it right here on Daniel Jones. I feel comfortable saying that now. 
even though the Giants lost the game and they're 0-2. Robert, do you have that draft there? 2019. Yeah, I uh, I think at the time the the Giants had a lot of needs. They did. They were kind of falling apart. They were on the ass end of the Eli Manning contract, so they didn't really have a lot of money to play with. I got a buddy that was a Giants fan, and at the time he either wanted Devin Bush or the defensive tackle Christian Wilkinson. I think they wanted to bolster the offensive line or the defensive oh, line. I, I absolutely loved Christian Wilkins at Miami. He was awesome. Or uh, at Clemson. Clemson. At yeah. Clemson. He. Great personality. I actually liked him more than Cleland Farrell, who was taken a little bit higher in that draft. I think everyone liked anybody better than Cleveland <laughs> oh, yeah. Farrell at that I forgot pick. the Raiders. I forgot the Raiders were Raidering. Yeah, they were Raidering. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but the thing we talk about here is like, oh, they could have waited until that other pick. That other pick was after Washington, who could have just snagged Daniel Jones. Exactly. You don't wait. That's a position you don't wait. That point you made right there, Robert, is the reason why they got it right. Philosophically speaking, you don't wait to see if somebody agrees with you whether or not to take the franchise quarterback. Gettleman felt like he had a franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones. And we've seen enough to at least make an argument that he was right with that. If you think you have that at six, you don't roll the dice just to see, just because Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper don't have anybody taking a quarterback, and specifically that one, until number 17. But the good thing about that pick also was they didn't have to give up anything. They didn't hinder future drafts to take Daniel Jones. They used the pick that they had. They didn't have to give up anything for the future, and they were able to get the guy that they think was a franchise quarterback. I'm okay with reaching at the quarterback position. I'm not okay with that for any other position, regardless of how bad your need is. I'm okay with reaching at quarterback because of how important that position is and how we've seen it work on some occasions. The best example might be in recent years, the fact that the Chiefs had a quarterback that led them to the playoffs and Alex Smith gave up draft picks to move up to the top 10 and take Patrick Mahomes where nobody had him mocked. Nobody had Mahomes going in the top 10, and they took him ahead of Deshaun Watson at that point, who was the higher-graded player, according to those, air quote, draft experts. Of course the Chiefs were right. I'm okay. I'm never going to criticize an organization for taking swings at quarterback in the first round. I'm just not, even if it was the Panthers earlier this year. David Gettleman got it right. On Daniel Jones. Does that mean he's a great GM? No. But I've always stood up for him as an evaluator. Back when he was in Charlotte, I'll do it now with Saquon Barkley, that pick, and with Daniel Jones. He he doesn't have a great personality. He's easy to make fun of, but he can evaluate football players. He is not a bad general manager by any means. We've got, how's this, Wake football fans? We've got Wake coaching legend Jim Grobe who's going to join us at the bottom of the hour at 3.30. And in the next segment, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Wake Forest play Florida State tomorrow. We have, I think, three pair that we're going to give away, a pair each hour. We're going to give away tickets in the next segment. In fact, if we can line up some callers now, let's do that. We'll have some NFL bad trivia that we're going to play where I just ask you where somebody's playing, and if you feel like 
you know the NFL remotely well or fantasy football, you should be able to knock us out of the ballpark. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along. We will give away Wake Florida State tickets in our next segment before talking with Jim Grobe. Also, I've been torn on Virginia, North Carolina all week, but I've got a pick. I'll tell you where I'm leaning next on the drive. I got one word for him and one word only. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. They're going to be partying like it's the mid-2000s later tonight in Winston-Salem. The Wake Sports Hall of Fame is inducting a new class. A great class going in. I think six across sports for the Demon Deacons going in from the class of 2020 that's being recognized tonight and at the football game tomorrow. Among them, some guy named Chris Paul, who turned out to do some decent things as a professional basketball player. And I'll even point out, as an All-State spokesman, too, pretty good at that. And a couple of guys from Jacksonville that our next guest knows very well. Jim Grobe joins us. Wake coach, former Wake coach, the legend who coached some guy named Riley Skinner, who we caught up with earlier this week from Jacksonville, Florida, and Sam Swank, the most decorated kicker in Wake's history, also from Jacksonville. So I'll start here. How important... Was that Jacksonville, Florida to Winston-Salem pipeline to your success? Well, those were key guys, Josh. Uh, no question about it. You know, Riley uh, won more games than any quarterback in history, and, and uh, we couldn't have gotten through it all, uh, you know, without kicking the ball the way we did. So uh, Sam Swank, the thing that, that's so cool about Sam Swank is he kicked and punted. And, uh, you know, he ended up uh, on the uh, – Luke Rosa list. He ended up on the Ray Guy list. And you don't find many guys that can kick and punt. And then, of course, uh, Riley Skinner, uh, just uh, a winner. That, that's that's the greatest thing. Both those guys are just not only were great players for us, but are fantastic people. Sam Swank accounted for all the points in the 2006 ACC championship win for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Jim Grove with us on WSJS Sports. Riley, a couple of days was telling us, a couple of days ago was telling us that he was looking at becoming a student full time at Georgia, not playing ball, just looking to go to Georgia as a regular student until he got a phone call eight days before signing day. He didn't even take his official visit until after he signed on with the Deacons. What do you remember specifically about Riley Skinner's recruitment? Well, I was at his high school recruiting. We recruited John Russell, and we committed John Russell. And Corky Rogers, his coach, is a famous, legendary coach in in, uh, in Florida, and they'd won several state championships at the bowl school. And, and uh, Corky was a really tough, hard-nosed football coach. And I went down and was ha- going to have a home visit, uh, you know, and and uh, he wouldn't let me leave the leave the office, you know. I, I had uh, I got John to commit, and we really had already committed Brett Hodges, and I promised Brett Hodges that I wasn't going to recruit another quarterback in his class. And uh, so Corky, he wouldn't let me leave. I mean, he, I respected him so much, and he kept beating me over the head about this Skinner kid. So finally I called Jeff Mullen. I said, Jeff, get down here. Let's take another look at, at this Skinner kid. 
We had a scholarship left. I didn't want to take another quarterback. So Jeff came down and watched Riley in an all-star game, and he called me back and he said, Coach, I didn't think I'd ever see this before, but I, I think I just watched a practice where the quarterback didn't throw one incomplete pass. And so I said, well, what do you think? He said, I think we ought to take him. So then I called Brett Hodges, and I told Brett, you know, I'm really sorry, but I told you you'd be the only quarterback, but we want to bring in one more quarterback. And he said, Coach, I don't care. I'll beat him out. So we had two wonderful quarterbacks, great competitive kids, and I think we could have won uh, with Brett Hodges. But as it ended up, Riley ended up uh, getting the job and started started against Syracuse and never gave the job back up. As you know, Jim, Wake Forest, smaller campus, so you run into whoever's playing whatever sport while you guys are together in Winston-Salem. Did you ever spend any time with Chris Paul while he was on campus? You know, not not only just to bump into him. No, we, uh, you know, they they, they kind of were on their schedule and we were on our schedule. Oh yeah. And uh, but I but I know how much my buddy Skip Prosser loved him, and uh, you know I miss Skip every day. But but boy, did he did he think the world of Chris Paul? What's the best Skip Prosser story you can share with me that speaks to the type of personality he has? See, when people talk about uh, Steve Forbes. Wake's coach now in basketball. The thing they point to is personality. And people who have been here long enough say, man, I remember the last time there was a coach with a great, unique personality was here, and they're talking about Skip. Well, the great thing about Skip Prosser is he's one of those guys, Josh, that when you saw him coming your way, you just started smiling because you knew it was going to be fun. You knew that you were going to enjoy you know, talking with, with Skip. And the thing that, that he was – that he was, in, in my opinion, he was one of the most competitive people I've ever known. I've never known a more competitive person than Skip Prosser. And when we would lose a tough football game, he would come down to my office and come in, sit on the couch, and kind of talk me through it, you know, and say, hey, Coach, you, you guys are doing great. Keep your head up. Everything's going to be fine. And I, and I really appreciated that. We'd have a good conversation. And then we get into basketball season. If he lost a tough game, I'd go up to try to console him, and he was inconsolable. He just he didn't want to hear it. You know, he he, <laughs> he made all these mistakes, and it was all his fault, all this kind of stuff. So it just was funny that that he would console me, but I could never console him because I've never known of anybody that that hated to lose uh, more than Skip Prosser. The Wake in a good way. In a yes. good way. The Wake Forest Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremonies later on tonight, and Wake Forest is playing. Florida State tomorrow at 3.30. We're being joined by Jim Grobe, kind enough to be here on WSJS Sports. Do you plan to be at the ceremony? Do you plan to attend the game? I won't be there. I'm still down in Georgia. I couldn't make it up, but I'm certainly there in spirit. And uh, I talked to Riley the other day and usually see Riley every summer. His family usually comes up to Georgia and, and does some vacation stuff up here. So I didn't get to see him this year, but usually see him about every year. I haven't talked to Sam in a long time, but uh, those are two of my all-time favorites, and boy, were they great for Wake Forest. What? See, Dave Clawson was talking about you this week when he was speaking about the Hall of Famers that you coached, talking about Sam and Riley, and one thing he said he appreciated so much was right after he got hired, you pulled him aside, sat down with him, and outlined pretty clearly what the advantages and some of the weaknesses were coaching at Wake Forest. What do you remember about that initial conversation you had with Dave? 
Well, I think, you know, as much as anything, I, I wanted him to know that there were a lot of great kids in the program. And I thought that, that uh, you know, one of the things that, that he would find was he had a group of kids that would work really, really hard. Uh, you know, I felt like one of the things that, that we had done, for whatever reason, we'd, we'd fallen a little bit behind recruiting-wise. Uh, we had some really, really good players, but when you go back and look at those great teams that we had with Riley and Sam, you know, we had a lot of great players. It's going to be tough going forward. There are a lot of kids that, that off those football teams that we had uh, from the ACC championship on through Riley's senior year that that probably could should be seriously considered for the Hall of Fame. And for whatever reason, uh, we had some really good players, but we had really kind of taken a step back a little bit. And I felt like that, uh, you know, Dave had his work cut out for him recruiting-wise, but I did feel like that he had a lot of good kids, and, and that's the one thing I wanted to point out to him. What have you been impressed about in terms of the job that Dave's done? What is something specifically you look at and say, wow, considering what I know about this place, that he was able to do this is kind of impressive. Well, he's done, he's done a great job recruiting. I mean, I'm impressed when I watch the team play. Certainly he's a good coach, and their coaching staff does a great job, and the kids play hard and all those kind of things that you look for in a coach. But the thing that I notice as much as anything is what a great job they've done recruiting. And I think they've caught up a little bit facility-wise. We've fallen way behind facility-wise. Uh, but I think Wake's caught up there. And then I think Dave and his staff have done a great job uh, picking the right uh, talent, especially the quarterback position. I mean, they just keep keep you know rolling quarterbacks through that program, and uh, you know every time I watch them, they they're, their quarterbacks playing great, and most of your best teams are going to have a really good quarterback like we had in Riley Skinner. And so I think Dave, one of the things he's done really well, I think he's got great discipline with the players. I think the kids play hard, play for four quarters in great shape, and uh, I think he's done a nice job recruiting, and, and the kids seem to really enjoy playing together. What's the best story you can share with me? Because I saw on social media that uh, Bobby Bowden's going to be there. Wake Forest is going to have a tribute for Bobby Bowden. They already have a, a Bobby with the hat uh, logo that's going to be on the corner of the field tomorrow, recognizing the legendary coach that passed away recently you were in some of these meetings with him and i always hear at some of these meetings you really get to see the laid-back personality and the humor that bobby bowden had what sticks out to you well a couple of things that you'd be interested in josh uh you know we some of the coaches felt like we should have a dinner the basketball coaches all when, we, when we'd have these these acc meetings the basketball coaches and wives would all get together and have have dinner together and coach Bowden, you know, the football guys wanted to get together and have dinner. He said, look guys, I, I like all you guys, but I really don't want to have dinner with you because I want to beat you on Saturday. And so <laughs> he was another one of those guys that was really, really competitive. And one of my favorite coach Bowden stories, and, and I've still got that guy on a pedestal. I just, I love Bobby Bowden. He was so gracious to me. And he, you know, I always felt like when we played him that he beat you by a hundred if he could. But the one thing that would always happen, win or lose, when the game was over, when he went into the press room, you know, when we first got to Wake, they whipped us pretty good for a couple of years. But he would go in the press room and he would talk about how hard our players played, how well they were coached, how, how physical our guys were, 
uh, everything was was complimentary of our football program. And then if we if we were fortunate enough to beat them, he he would come in and and you know let give us credit. You know, a lot of guys would come in and say we played terrible. You know, da 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 da. But he would not do that. He would go in and talk about how how good our players played when we'd win. And I remember the first time we beat them, we went out to shake hands at midfield, and I was I was you know of course elated that we'd finally gotten to the point where we could compete with Florida State. And I went out to shake hands with Coach Bouton, and and, and he looked at me. We shook hands, and the first thing he said was, "Boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself." And I mean, you know, my heart sunk. I just thought, "Oh, here's here's my hero, and I've done something that's gotten him upset." And he he looked through his eyebrows at me, and he said, "Beating an old man like me," and started laughing. <laughs> and uh, so he was just a, a, the most wonderful guy. I mean. You knew when you played him that, that he would like to wear you out, but you knew that you were playing a really classy guy. I have a rule here before we let you go, Jim Grobe, Wake legend joining us here. When John Dell tells me to ask a guest something, I make sure to listen to John Dell, the longtime Winston-Salem <laughs> journal writer. He this told... is not good. This is not going to be a good question. I'm yeah, it's, it's better than the stuff that David Glenn was texting me to ask you. No, I <laughs> what <laughs> he told me to ask you about your golf game. What's the lowest score Jim Grobe has shot? Well, you know, if I if I if I say then then John will want strokes the next time we get <laughs> together. But uh, just recently, I played pretty good. I shot seventy one. That's the best I've been. Wow, able to do where did you shoot seventy one at? At our Creek Club course here at uh, uh, here at Reynolds, and uh, I was playing. I'll tell you what the, the the man I was playing with is John Carter. John Carter's eighty years old. He plays the same tees that I do that that all the guys play, and he has shot his age. This has got to be a national record. John Carter's eighty years old, and he's shot his age eighteen hundred times. Wow! And so. What was really good for me is I'd watch John hit the ball and I'd try to copy him. <laughs> it was a cyber vision thing. I ended up shooting 71. So that's the best I've done in a long time. Coach Grobe, we'll have to do this again. It's a pleasure speaking with you, and thanks for spending time in the triad today. I appreciate it, John. Say hi to everybody. Or Josh, say hi to everybody. We'll make, we'll make sure to do that. There you go. There goes Jim Grobe, the Wake legend, joining us here on WSJS Sports as classy of a gentleman as you're going to find. And it doesn't surprise me that he would call Bobby Bowden his hero as a result of that. Wait, going to be recognizing Bobby Bowden tomorrow. That's a cool deal, and it's cool to catch up with Coach Grobe always. I've got three tangible things to monitor for the Panthers-Saints game Sunday that if Carolina is able to execute, they're going to win the game. No questions asked. I'll tell you what those three things are. Next. A regular little chatterbox. Already talking a mile a minute. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Weekly positivity in about five minutes. The Panthers are playing the Saints. And Robert, I like simplifying football because... What we learned with the Manning telecast on Monday, there are so many things we don't talk about that players consider that makes this game a lot more complicated 
if you just dive beyond the surface of what it is. There's nothing in American culture that is consumed as ravenously as football is, that we love as much as as football, but understand so little about. So rather than look at things so broadly, I'm just going to give you a sample of things here. Three things that if Carolina's able to execute, they're going to beat the New Orleans Saints. So if you're a Panther fan, you should keep tab on these three things. If there's anything you think I'm missing, you can call us, 336-777-1600. We'll talk about it on Twitter at WSGS Sports. But these are the three things that I'm identifying. Number one, no sacks for Cam Jordan. You got a right tackle that you paid, and you're paying a ton of money to prevent guys like Cam Jordan from wrecking the game. And with all the injuries I'm seeing on the Saints injury report, guys who might not be able to go, whether it be Davenport or Quan Alexander or you name it, Cam Jordan's the guy that you circle. He's the only defensive player ranked in the top 50 on the NFL 100. Stop him. If he gets no sacks in the game, Carolina's going to be in tremendous shape. That's something I think could completely turn the game. Second thing, pick off Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston does not have an interception on Sunday, I don't feel as strongly about the Carolina Panthers' chances to win. If he doesn't throw a pick, it might be a New Orleans Saints win, but I think he's going to. He's going to revert back to the 30-pick Jameis Winston when he's on the road, and you got a lot of other things that are going wrong as well, including working in a new center, it seems like, for Sunday. Pick off Jameis Winston. That is the second key for the Carolina Panthers. And the third thing that I'm looking at here, just avoid disaster on special teams. That might sound broad, but Robert, you'll know it when you see it. If Carolina is missing a field goal inside of 50 yards, if Carolina is missing an extra point, if a punt returner, I don't even know who's going to be returning punts for Carolina on Sunday, if whoever's returning punts muffs it and the Saints recover, all three of those things qualify as disasters for Carolina potentially. You can't make those types of mistakes and beat good football teams, and we can all agree that the Saints are pretty good. Carolina's an underdog. you got to play a really strong game and be sharp. Which of these keys do you think is most important, Robert? The Cam Jordan element? Jameis Winston seeing whether or not you can turn him over? Or just the special teams piece where Zane Gonzalez is being worked in, no more Ryan Santoso, didn't want to give up that seventh-round draft pick? And there's still some uncertainty about who your punt returner is going to be. Uh, I think affecting Jameis, not just the intercepting him, but affecting his game plan is the way that you win this game. But it's easier said than done because I think this New Orleans Saints, even without uh, their center, is the best offensive line in the league. They've got four first-round picks, and Teron Armstead is a third-round pick on it. They're complete. Even their backups and James Hurst are veterans, guys that can play just about every position on the line. So if they're able to get to Jameis and they're able to alter his throws and maybe make him make some throws that he normally wouldn't make with a clean pocket, that I would imagine that's the success or the, the ticket to success for the Panthers. This is something I wanted to ask Joe Person later. What do you believe? If you had to only pick one of these two things, Robert, what do you believe 
is more real. Carolina getting six sacks and that pass rush being so strong or Jameis Winston's five touchdowns on 14 of 20 throwing? It was against the Jets, and they were without their left tackle for a good portion of the game. So I would venture to say that the Jameis Winston portion is real because the five touchdowns really don't talk about that game. It's not like he had to earn super, like drive his team down the field and get a bunch of touchdowns like because the yards don't prove that, right? Four he had of the under, touchdowns were like 80 yards. Well, he had, you know what I mean? He had under 200 yards passing. The five touchdowns were a result of running the ball really well, great field possession. So, I mean, the fact that Jameis had five touchdowns doesn't mean that he's like this all-new quarterback, but I think it's more real than the pass rush against a subpar offensive line. Let's get into weekly positivity now. It's the end of the week. This always makes me feel better. I hope it does the same for you. If there's something that happened this week or today or you're excited about this weekend that you'd like to tell us about, 336-777-1600. By all means, that's what weekly positivity is for. The human torch was denied a bank loan. Robert, there's a lot going on this week. A lot of good, a lot of bad. Just want to focus on the really good right now. But before we do that, Robert, tell me something good. I'm getting ready to uh, go back to wrestling refereeing for one weekend. Wow! Super excited. Uh, Where can guy, people see you? Uh, Randleman at the Level Cross Ball Field. It's a uh, charity event for the Level Cross Ball Field. You can come see, uh, what is this event called? Bash at the Brawl Field in Randleman. Let me see if I can get you an address real quick. Well, I'm sure people can just find it if they Google that, shouldn't they? Check it out. Yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. Three big matches, great wrestlers, people from all over the, the state are coming out to perform for this. Getting to see a lot of my old friends, guys I haven't seen in a couple months. Is uh, Chris Lee going to be wrestling? I don't know. I Actually, I know. He's not. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure... That would if, be it, great. It would be great. It would be good to see Chris again, too. He's getting in uh, back in that babyface fire shape that he used to be in. But yeah, super, super fun. On Saturday, starts at 5 o'clock. Gates open at 3. I'll see I've, you there. I've got... Here's something that's really good. I've got a mask rotation, Robert, that I feel good about for camp or for football season. I've got all the Avit Brother albums, album covers on the front of a mask that I think is pretty cool. I know you saw that. And... I've got a Bojangles mask that I like and were, a Coldplay mask. Were you able to squeeze somebody out of a poster from that uh, Orioles event? I saw that the Avits were going to be there and do like one-time poster things. I'm working on it. I still haven't quite figured that out. But I'm sure it you could check so, out eBay if you just don't mind paying for it. But Sure. It was so cool to see the Orioles at the seventh inning stretch every game, Robert, play Thank God I'm a Country Boy. So the Avits... Which, by the way, there was a rain delay at the end of last night's game. 
So they had to wait an hour after the game ended just to get on there. So they didn't get on stage till about 11 and they played for about an hour and change. They, they played Thank God I'm a Country Boy and I thought that was the coolest thing. But I like my Avett Brothers mask. What should I wear to the football game tomorrow? Should I wear my Avett's mask or the Bojangles mask? I don't know, man. Whatever floats your boat. I say what you should do is let your cat decide. Put them all on the ground. Good idea. And let Winnie decide. Let's go to Scott in Greensboro. Scott, tell me something good. I started my first new job in 27 years. After six years of commuting to Salisbury, I'm now in Greensboro where I live with my wife. Wow. What are you doing in Greensboro? I will be working at Con Phone Plus. Are you excited? A little bit excited, a little bit nervous. Oh, why are you nervous? And just first new job in 27 years after working the same place. Well, I wish you the best of luck, Scott. Thank you for the call. That's cool. I wonder if his background check hasn't come back yet, and that's what he's nervous for. He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't really have to start yet. I don't know. I went to Denver a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, Just gotta right. check that out. Hey, Cole, tell me something good. Uh, Let's see. I want to say Elon Abba. I've been talking about this game for two weeks. Um, so instead, how about a new show I've checked out recently with my roommates? Um, new episode came out today of Ted Lasso. I'm excited to get back and yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. Oh, it's a great show. He got he just got a, recently got a raise. Now he's making the most per episode out of anybody in television. So that's wow. pretty cool. He Sudeikis definitely deserves it. Yeah, yeah. It does seem like that's the most popular show right now. Is there any show? I guess Secession's coming back now, and that's something that a lot of people like. But I think, I think Disney Lasso Plus is killing it too. Like with the what ifs. I mean, I feel like as soon as one Disney Plus like Marvel show ends. They crank out another one that you're this like. This is gonna sound like a dumb question, though, Robert. Can't if I wanted to watch Ted Lasso, could I? Like, I don't. What is what is Apple TV? I have no idea. I uh, I would assume it would depend on your bedtime. Like, you if, as long as it's not past your bedtime, you could watch it. Cole, probably where, better if you ask him. Yeah, where can I get Apple TV? I don't even. Know. Uh, I don't know where to get it. I know one of my three roommates has it. So it's, it's like logged in on our, you know, super Roku. Just so it's just bros. like a streaming thing. Yeah, you can just site. sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Just some bros broing out. Well, he's also in college. You got to, you got to, uh, clump together your resources. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not judging it. Do you know what else is good, Cole? It's Friday and that means the weekend's here. I feel and like you shouldn't be allowed to say that. <laughs> and that's been weekly. Positivity. is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Robert Walsh, I'm so glad you're playing this song on a Friday because I was listening to radio earlier this week and somebody sick and demented played Friday I'm in Love on a Monday morning, if you can believe that. That's that should be rules. That should be a crime. Joe Person. Panthers beat writer with The Athletic, kind enough to join us now. 
he would never listen to The Cure's Friday I'm in Love any other day but Friday, right? Well, we're not going to play uh, just another Manic Monday on Friday. No, <laughs> let, let's let's uh, TGIF. Uh, what? Didn't, didn't uh, golly, this is going to make me seem old. Didn't the, like the Bay City Rollers have a Friday song of some ilk? I don't Ro- know. Robert's going to get IT on that, the Bay City okay. Rollers, to see if that's <laughs> okay. the case. Joe Person, let's talk some Panthers. Which of these two things that we saw on Sunday is more likely to be real. Jameis Winston's performance or the Panthers' pass rush? Ooh, great question. Um, you know, I, let me go pass rush because I saw, I just saw so many ebbs and flows with Jameis in Tampa Bay. He had a lot of his worst games with the Panthers. In fact, I was there in London for a five-interception game. I, I think it's going to be better. I mean, look, I, I think – and one game doesn't necessarily tell us that last week against the Packers, but Sean Payton is a gifted quarterback coach, gifted offensive play caller. Jameis can't help but be better with Sean Payton. But this pass rush is real. It really is. Now, is it going to be six sacks every week? No. And in fact, the the Saints offensive line is interesting. Like this is like uh, this is kind of an interesting matchup in that. Saints put a lot of high draft picks in money into their offensive line, and the Panthers have put a lot of high draft picks, not money yet necessarily, into their defensive line. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Eter Gross Matos. I think it's a fascinating matchup, and I, I wrote today that I think it's going to that that's the matchup to me that's going to win or lose the game for the Panthers. See, I was looking at the other side of the ball. It's interesting you bring up that pass rush because I look at. Taylor Moten versus Cam Jordan. And I think I, I think I went back and saw in the starts that, that Moten's had against Jordan, which is six, he has only allowed one sack. Cam Jordan's only had one sack, I should say. Before yeah. that, to put it in perspective, the previous ten games Cam Jordan had against the Panthers, he had seven. Now, it hasn't really right. mattered because the Saints had the offense and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, but that's a side of the ball. I... I honestly think that's something that can swing the game. Are you saying that the line of scrimmage on Sunday is what's going to decide things, period? Yeah, that's really what I was talking, and I I did that same Cam Jordan and Taylor Moten math. It is worth pointing out. I think Taylor Moten's a fantastic player. Um, Cam Jordan only played, (coughs) excuse me, Three of those six games were Week 17 games when the Pan- the Saints had already wrapped up a playoff. Ah. Game. Sean Payton, he played he played in all those games, but he played like 46 percent of the snaps, 42 percent of the snaps, and then I think last year 58 percent of the snaps in the Week 17 game. So, yeah, the thing that would only I, Taylor Moten is the least of my concerns up front, but he has been dealing with a groin injury this week. He is, you know, he's going to play. You know, they they didn't even list him as like questionable, uh, so he'll be out there. But man, uh, you just hope that's not going to affect his pass rush or his pass protection ability because the Saint, the Panthers' issues. They, I think they have enough issues at at their guard spots, right? Like Pat Elfline got pushed around last week, just like he got pushed around last year with the Vikings and the Jets. And uh, uh, John Miller coming off the COVID list, you got to question his uh, where his uh, conditioning 
and uh, you know just sort of the overall health and, and ability to play four quarters is going to be. Joe Persons with us here from the Athletic Panthers, beat writer on WSGS Sports. In about five minutes, we'll give away a pair of tickets again to Wake Forest, Florida State, so make sure you're sticking around a little bit later on in the segment. Robert, did we find anything on the Bay City Rollers? Uh, I found out that it's not actually Friday night. It's Saturday night, so we'd be a little presumptive in that case if we played that. <laughs> yeah, it's 9 o'clock on a, on a Saturday. <laughs> Billy Joel, we could do that as well. I'm down with playing this game if we have time before we get to Glenn Campbell, but before we let Joe Person go, I like the Panthers in this game because timing is everything in life, and the Saints, they have a lot going on in that they're practicing out of Fort Worth, and they have a ton of injuries, and the Panthers are clean, and it's an early season matchup, and the Saints are still trying to figure out what their identity is. Do you feel Carolina's catching the Saints at a good time? I do. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, the Panthers have an injury report that consists of like nobody and the, and the saints, as you said, they're dealing with some Knicks and here and there, their center is going to miss the game. So yeah, I do. I, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be 38 to three like saints Packers. I do have the saints winning. I think I picked them 24 to 20. I just, I don't know. I want to see Sam Darnold against a bona fide, uh, you know, defense. Jets have a good defensive line. Don't get me wrong. Jets secondary wasn't very good. Uh, the the Saints, you know, even even minus Marshawn Lattimore, I think just you know, this is this has been a top five defense the last few years in New Orleans. So I, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I think it's a great week two matchup and. Uh, I, I've got the Saints in a close one. Follow him on Twitter at Joseph Person for his live updates during the game and also read his stuff in The Athletic. It's good to hear from you. Next time we chat, we'll make sure we have different songs that are queued up with the day of the week it happens to be. Just as long as we get the weekend in there. That's that's what we're going <laughs> for. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the weekend. And ladies and gentlemen, there goes Joe Person.